0: She the mic, don't I? That always helps. Yeah, it's a good start. Um, in between the fan, there is this misconception that if you're from Nigeria, you should like the heat. I don't. Yeah, just let me just clarify that right now. People are like, oh, you're really happy with the heat. And I'm like, oh, I'm so not. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a fan, a tip, right? It's John Lewis. I'm not sure it's available now. You can't find fans anywhere, right? I've tried. Um, but I'm really happy to be here today, and uh, we're going to be continuing our series of portraits. Hasn't it been exciting? Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I've been trying to figure out which is my favorite. I loved hearing, uh, I loved hearing James talk about Peter. I could identify with that, because Peter was a bit of a, an interesting one, wasn't he? Um, and there's just been so many different ones. Um, but today, when I... Um, When the Spirit gave me the name for my portrait today, I have to admit I was a bit nervous. Because I kind of feel like I was baptized a Catholic when I was very young. And I thought, okay, this is that space you don't go into, right, this is kind of like holy space. But um, I've just been so amazed as I've prepared this word and the Holy Spirit has given me. And I hope that it blesses you as much as it has blessed me in the preparation. So I just wanna pray for a minute and just ask, if you just close your eyes, and put your hand somewhere near your heart and just ask the Lord to just take away all the stresses, all the strains, all the frustration with the heat and the no rain, and just be in a place of real peace as we get to share his word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right. So today I am going to be talking about Mary, the mother of our Lord. I have called this, um, I've forgotten what I've called myself now, but I have called this carrying the seed of Christ. And I want to talk about her, and I'm going to show you a picture to start off with, so if I can have my first slide. Because if you if you had Catholic beginnings like me, you would have probably seen her looking like this. And... There's something really interesting about this picture, isn't it, or these kind of pictures, because in a way, they make her seem really remote, almost saintly, almost remote. And no disrespect to any of those sort of pictures, but the Mary I want to talk about would probably have looked a little bit more like this. Mary, mother of Jesus, bearer of God's promise. Now, you might recognize this picture if you've ever watched The Chosen, anybody here ever watched The Chosen? Yeah, an amazing, amazing depiction of the story, not just of Christ, but the followers of Christ. And I love this picture because I think this looks very much like what she probably did look like a young Jewish girl of her time, probably in her middle teens, as we're told, as was the custom of that time, betrothed to a man who would have probably been older than her by a few years. Um, but I think what's really interesting is it shows her as an ordinary girl. As just an ordinary girl who an extraordinary thing happened to. And I think that's something that God really wants all of us to know. The people in the Bible are natural, ordinary people who had extraordinary experiences, just like you, just like me. Now I've also subtitled this, although I haven't put it up there on the screen, not the nativity play version and I hope you'll find the reason for that. Because there's much you'll know about this story, and often we don't talk about Mary until it's Christmas time. And then you see the lovely little child in the blue dishcloth, and you know, and Joseph, and there's a donkey, and there's various little, you know, angels and various stuff like that. But I've called today Bearing God's Promise. You see, Mary carried the seed of God. She is Christ's mother. And he is, there will never be another Jesus Christ, only one person got to do that. But each and every one of us carries a seed. The Bible tells us this, that we have received a deposit of the Holy Spirit just as Mary did too. God has placed his seal on each and every one of us. And so wherever you are, whether you're listening to me online or you're listening to me here today, you carry a seed of the Holy Spirit. And that seed's going to be different. It's going to be, you know, because our father has created a billion different stars. For you, it might be a desire to write a book. For some people, it's a desire to lead a group. For some people, it's setting up a charity to put shoes on the feet of children in Africa. For others, it's big love and helping in Romania. Whatever it is, there's a seed that God has placed in you that is about bringing light to the world, is about expressing his love to the world. And while you carry that, you're literally pregnant with that seed. And many people will often say, I feel like God is birthing something in me, but I, I just don't know what it is, I'm not there yet. And this is why the story of Christ and Mary in particular is so relevant to us. Because that promise exists in the Bible. And if I can have my next slide, please. Jesus says, or God said in the story of Acts, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. And they will prophesy and people will dream dreams. And I believe each and every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, are being gifted with things to bring into the world, particularly for this time. And at a time when we read the newspapers and all we see is the horrible stuff. At a time when all we hear is the nasty stuff. God is doing something in his kingdom, and he is doing it through you, and you, and you, and every person who believes in him. And so today, I want to look at that process of birth, how, what it means to be pregnant, and I want to say this, um, and just to be sensitive to the fact that for some people the concept of pregnancy is a difficult one. And I don't mean to be insensitive to to that today as I talk about it. But I think there's a particular reason why even in Romans, Paul in the message translation sets this out. And he says this, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply the birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We are feeling the birth pangs. And these sterile and barren bodies of us are yearning for full deliverance. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. There is a period of waiting, a period of carrying what God has placed upon your heart. And today I want to talk about that because while we're waiting, what we learn from Mary's story is how to wait, and how to be that bearer of the seed. And in Romans 8, in the continuation of that, it says that when we grow tired of waiting, God's Spirit comes alongside us. And if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. So as you're sitting there wondering, there's something, I know there's something, I know I can be doing more, I know God is calling me to something. Then it's about trusting that God has got you. And this journey is not just dependent on you. So let's look at the story of Mary and how it actually happens. Now, so there's Mary. She's preparing to be married. The Bible tells us that she was betrothed and she's probably doing what brides do. Probably not a bridezilla, just for the point of it. you know, But she's probably doing what brides do, getting ready, getting her clothes ready to go to her husband's house. Doing her normal sort of life. And then comes the angel Gabriel. Now what's interesting, and as I said, this is not the nativity one, but um, I'm just gonna go over some of the things in the Bible because he says, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. And this is the only time That we're told in this whole story that mary is troubled and we're not told that she's troubled by the presence of the angel she's troubled by the greeting why has he said that to me and the angel goes on to look or to, to explain to her but how often are we when people say i think god has placed something in you how often do we go me you sure you're talking about me and just as Jen said, do we think, "Oh, yeah, well, our T-shirt's too dirty. Do we think, well, yeah, it couldn't possibly be me. You know, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that Peter person. How often do we think that? And not all of us have the benefit of an angel standing in front of us to explain it. But Mary receives this news that God has placed God has chosen her at that moment, just as she's about to get married, to be pregnant before she's married. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not convenient timing, is it? I mean, he could have waited until after the wedding because then it would have all been explained. And here's the first thing. See, God's timing never quite works for us. He doesn't come to you and put a dream on your heart when it's all convenient. When you've got that moment where you're going, right, God, you know what? I've sorted out my life. I've done everything else. I am now awaiting your dream. No, he kind of doesn't work like that. Um, and Mary says, well, she says what most of us would say. Well, I suppose so. How can this be because I'm a virgin? How, am I gonna, how are you going to do this? Now, almost when I'd finished this, there was something really interesting about this particular question she asks. Because initially I thought it was a bit of an excuse, right? How can this be? But actually it's not because actually the translation, she doesn't argue with the angel, she just says, how are you gonna do it? But interestingly enough, just a chapter before, Zechariah, a man who had served God for all his life, served in the temple, gets visited by the same angel, told he's going to be the father of a son, they're advanced in age. And you know the question he asks? How can I be certain? How can I be sure? There's a big difference between the question, God, you're going to do something through me. How are you going to do it? And a question, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Are you sure? How often do we say that to God? Yeah, you know, what? I kind of feel like he's calling me to set up that group, but I just want to be sure that he's really calling me. He's given you the word, it's been prayed over you, it's occurred when you're reading, it's occurred when you're praying, but you're kind of sitting there going, yeah, but how can I be certain? Now, interestingly, the angel Gabriel responds in two different ways to the questions. To Zechariah, he struck deaf or dumb for the the rest of that pregnancy. He doesn't get to speak again until his son is born. For Mary, on the other hand, I think the angel Gabriel issues perhaps what are the most of seven most important words in the Bible. For nothing is impossible with God. And I've got this up on the slide and if I can have that slide please. And it says, for with God nothing is or ever shall be impossible. I want you to just look at that for a minute. Because what are the questions we say? What do we say when God says, when God calls us to something? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, but, you know, I've got a lot going on at the moment. Yeah, I'd like to, but I'm sure it's not me. I'm sure there's someone better. Yeah, how can I be sure that's what you're really saying, God? Or, I don't think I'm up to this. What does it mean to actually believe that with God, nothing is, or ever, ever, shall be impossible. What would it mean if you believed that for your life? What would it mean every time you doubted, every time you were afraid? What would it mean every time something occurred to you, something that felt like you needed to climb a mountain and you thought, I can't do this. I'm just not strong enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not holy enough. I'm not a good Christian enough. What would we believe? What would happen? You see, I heard someone once say, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He doesn't plant the seed or vision in you because you're the best qualified. You can't disappoint him in the execution of it because it was never dependent on you alone in the first place. And so whatever it is that he has planted in your heart, all he's looking for is for you to step out in obedience. So Mary goes to visit her cousin and she sees for herself this other miracle in progress. And I love that because actually one of the things that God seems to do is that when he places a calling on you, he surrounds you with people who will help you birth that journey. And because Mary sees, she's encouraged. Imagine, she's a young girl, she's pregnant. In those days, when actually the Jewish law says that if she was found to be pregnant without having been married, she should actually be stoned to death in front of her father's house. And she goes to see her, her cousin, who's also pregnant, who's six months pregnant at the time. And after they speak, Mary sings this beautiful song of praise. Now, it's referred to in the Bible as a song of praise, but I just think it's a declaration of incredible faith. And this is where you really begin to get a sense for how special this young woman is. Because she says something. She says, surely, henceforth, all nations shall call me blessed. Now, I tried to find a word to describe that, and the only one I could come up with was godosity. Now, I know that's not a word. I just invented it. But the audacity of the young girl. Let me just paint this picture. She's pregnant. She's probably a few weeks pregnant. She's not married. For all she knows, Joseph could turn around and say, I don't want anything to do with this. She would be stoned in front of her father's house. She's probably going to have people talking about her throughout the pregnancy. She has not given birth to Jesus yet. She has no idea what he's going to do apart from what she's been told by the angel Gabriel. And yet she declares at that point, from henceforth, not my neighbors, not my town, all nations will call me blessed. Now, what kind of a declaration of faith is that? That's like somebody, you starting a group, you starting a small little group and saying, this group is going to bless not just the people in it, but generations to come. That's like you writing a book that says, this book is going to set a million people free. That's like you picking up your dream and at that point declaring over it with such faith and such conviction, henceforth all nations shall call me blessed. And guess what? All nations do call her blessed. She is the blessed virgin, the blessed Mary. Isn't that amazing? So what would happen if God's put something in our heart and instead of us constantly saying, well, I don't know, well, I'm not sure. What if we started declaring God's promise over that thing from the moment it was planted in our heart? What if we started saying what God has told us in pure faith, because the reason I call it God audacity is that there is nothing else for this young woman to go on to declare that apart from her belief in God. There's nothing in her immediate environment that says she'll even get to the end of this pregnancy. And yet she declares it with such conviction. Can we declare what God has put in our heart with that kind of conviction? and say, if God has said it, then I know it's going to bless my community. I know it's going to bless my church. I know that if I do this, people will call me blessed. I think, see, the other thing she says in that is that she talks about something and she says that God has recognized the humble and he has ignored the rich And he has recognized the humble he has given those who were thirsty water and i love the fact that she says something that jesus picks up on later when he talks about the fact that he is the water he is the well that never runs dry he is the bread of life and she talks about the fact that jesus that god in doing this has fed the hungry and later on her son will say i am the bread of life and those who eat of me will never go hungry again. That's a declaration of faith. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us much about the months in between, but we can guess they wouldn't have been easy. She was a young girl, people would have talked, uh, people would have had a lot to say. As they always say, sometimes when God calls you, he doesn't make it a conference call. And so her neighbors would have had all sorts of things to say, "I've been working out the dates. Well, she was betrothed on that, oh, yeah, well saying anything yeah but we do know that a few weeks before she's due to give birth or even days away from her due date Caesar issues a decree that means that Joseph and Mary have to travel from Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to the city of David because that is where Jesus was born in Bethlehem Now, you know, you've seen the nativity play at this point. You're thinking dishcloths and little people being wheeled around from one side of the stage to the other. Um, But, and this is why I said this is not the school play. And perhaps the women, and indeed husbands, can really sort of understand this. She's nine months pregnant, folks. Right? Now, here's the thing. I want to show you a slide, because this is what people say. That actually, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have probably taken a week. This is according to historical sources. That's a four day journey. They would have had to travel 90 miles in four days, averaging 2.5 miles per hour pace for roughly eight hours a day. She is nine months pregnant on a donkey. Anybody want to just take a bit of time to consider that? You know that stage of the pregnancy when you're kind of like, I love this baby, but just get it out of me? (laughs) It's hot. She's traveling across mountains. These aren't smooth roads. There aren't wonderful little service stations where you go in and have a Starbucks and coffee and rest your back a bit. She's sitting on a donkey. And to be fair, unless they had several donkeys, it's unlikely she would have been able to sit on a donkey for 90 miles without the donkey itself collapsing. How hard was that journey? You see, when we see it across the stage and we're smiling at kids, we don't often get to think of this. And when I I suddenly had the urge to just check, how long was it? And I remember looking at this fact, this slide, these words on the internet and just being completely blown away. How hard would that journey have been? And why? I mean, she's carrying Jesus Christ. Where's the chariot? Where's the, you know, where's the sort of, you know, white horses and horse-drawn carriage? She's carrying the Son of God. So why is it? And I think it's because God wanted us to know that the journey to the birth is never easy. That there's challenges. And that sometimes it's going to involve mountains and valleys and donkey rides and hurting backs. Because sometimes we think that if God has placed something on our heart, then how come I'm facing all these obstacles? Why is it so hard? Next time you ask that question, think of being nine nine months pregnant on a donkey and traveling for 2.5 miles an hour for eight hours a day. And then you'll know it's not that hard. But that's what Mary did there's something about the endurance of the journey. And see, Mary and Joseph probably didn't expect that at that stage they were going to do that, but did your God know? Oh, he did. Because you see, the star that eventually settled over the manger had been traveling for quite some time. We know that from what astronomers say. And that star knew exactly where it was going. And God knew that they were going there. And see, whenever the journey gets hard, you're never alone. He's always with you. And I think that if Mary was asked how she did that journey, that same faith that made her declare that from henceforth all nations would call her blessed was a faith that took her through the mountains, took her through the valleys, made her believe that actually she could endure. And in Romans 5:25, 5, 5, Paul tells us about the importance of endurance in building our faith. And he says, not only this, let us exalt in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, because that hardship, that distress, that pressure, that trouble you're going through will produce endurance in you. And that endurance will produce character, spiritual maturity, and that character, hope and confident assurance, and such hope in God's promises never disappoints. And I can testify that when you go through those hard, tough times, there is something being birthed in you, something being created in you by the journey that is so essential to the birth process. So rejoice in your hardships. And we're reminded in Isaiah not to be afraid because God is with us. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you. And I believe that because Mary, when she sings that song of praise, quotes the history of her people, she would know this promise. And she held on to this promise. And I believe that's what happened. So they go through this arduous journey and they get to Bethlehem. And by now you're thinking, okay, so we've done 90 miles, we've done this horrible journey. There should at least be a bed waiting for us. You know, she's having the son of God One would expect a nice hotel, you know, private ward. Uh, No, that's not what happens. They're up to their eyeballs, they end up in a manger because there's no room at the inn for the Son of God to be born. I mean, think about this, folks. She's traveled 90 miles on a donkey. As they approached Bethlehem, she must have been sitting there going, Okay, if I can just get this far, if I can just get this far. And then they get to Bethlehem and poor Joseph goes off to go and find an inn and comes back and says, there's no inn. When do we say, God, it's enough? When do we turn around to God and say, come on now? But you know the thing that's missing, and I kept searching for it in different translations, It never says, Mary was troubled. It said it only when she was troubled by what the angel said to her, or the greeting. And so they end up, they end up in a manger. Now, despite the lovely tinsel we see on stage during the nativity play, let's just get this right. This is a place where animals were kept. There was no sanitized Dettol to have that lovely, I grew up with a nurse, my mom was a nurse, there was Dettol everywhere. Yeah, it's a Nigerian thing, right? So there was none of that lovely smell of disinfectant. There weren't people in scrubs. She was about to give birth. At this point, the labor pains are upon her. The Bible tells us that Joseph didn't know his wife until after Jesus was born. So Joseph has probably never seen her In her pure naked state. She has no midwife. So this man, who she doesn't quite know intimately yet, is about to see her in ways that only if you've had birth you know you get seen. Think about it. You see, sometimes the birth of the vision is never going to be pretty. Sometimes these things will come into fruition when we're surrounded by the brown stuff when things are flying around, when people are talking about you, when people are criticizing you for what you're going to do. It's not going to happen in a nice hotel. It's not going to happen when you're surrounded by flowers. But this is where the faith begins to work, and this is why this is such an amazing story. Because we know that even though this was happening to Mary and Joseph, there was stuff happening around them that was on a totally different level. There were three kings on their way. They'd been traveling for weeks, and probably in a lot more comfort than Mary and Joseph, and they were only coming to worship the king. There were angels getting ready to burst into song on a mountaintop to shepherds in the field. And the main event, the very main event, the box office event, is happening surrounded by animals, and I I T. I don't mean to put it, but yeah, it's, that's the truth. I can't put it any other nicer way. And I'm putting it that way because I want you to understand that when you're sitting there looking around and all you can see is exactly S H I T, to understand that even in that place, even in that place, God is bringing something so amazing, so special. And all you have to do is hold on and do what Mary did and believe. And when we play our part and when we step out and we endure the tough times and keep our eyes fixed on God's promises, it's like around us God is creating this orchestra and things are coming into being and things are being put in place around you in a way that you will not understand or comprehend. And all you have to do is just believe and keep your eyes fixed on him. And so Mary gives birth with only Joseph as her midwife. How did they cut the cord? How did they deal with everything? Did they have water or not? It wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy. She was a young girl. It's her first child. But I wonder what she felt when she held Jesus in her hands for the first time. There's this beautiful song, one of my favorite Christmas songs, Mary, Did You Know? And you've probably heard it. And one of the lines in it says, Mary, did you know that when you kiss the face of your baby, you kiss the face of God? I think that's such a powerful line. You see, one day when you endure you will see what you've been given to birth begin to impact on people's lives. You will see the change on whether it is that first child having a pair of shoes, whether it's the work that Big Love does bringing food to the Romanians or the Ukrainians, whether it's that house group that you create that is there just at that moment when somebody needs to be surrounded by love, whether it's that book you write that brings hope to someone, Whatever it is, it might be small, it might be big. Whether it's that neighbor who just desperately needs someone to stand with them when their lives are going crazy. But because you said yes, because you stepped out, one day you will see the face of God himself. And you will see it in the people you help. You will see it in the people who are impacted by your dream. You will see the face of God. And here's the thing. Three wise men turn up, the three kings. And they come, and they've been following this star, and they come bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I can never say that word right. Another thing we sing in our Christmas carols, but I wanted to show you a very interesting fact about this. It is estimated, if I can have that slide please, that the current value of the gifts that the kings brought for Jesus Christ would be, as of today, $120 million. Those were the most expensive things you could get. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? If that had arrived just two hours later, they could have bought several inns. (laughs) They could have literally taken the gold to an innkeeper and said, here's the gold. Clear everybody out of this inn. We want it. We're having the Son of God. Just two hours earlier. Two hours probably. Why does God do that? They could have bought the inn. But you see, I think it's because he needs us to step out in faith. And then he meets us. The miracle of the provision doesn't come before you embrace the vision. It comes afterwards. And when you step out... When you take that step in faith, then suddenly all of creation begins to work in the way that God has commanded it. And so suddenly these people who have had their baby in a stable, surrounded by animals, are suddenly incredibly rich. God will always make the provision available for the vision, but he needs you to step out first. He needs you to endure. He needs you to do the difficult stuff, not because he just wants to watch you suffer, but because he knows that it is in that place of endurance. That's when you find him. It's at the bottom of the well that you find him. It's in the place of hunger that you understand what it's meant to be fed by him. It's in the place of thirst that you understand what it means to drink from the well that never runs dry. And then we also have the kings who had to follow the star. Now, apparently, they were really intelligent men, and they followed this star, and they would have had people plotting where the star was going. And eventually, it settles over the, over the little manger. But here's the thing. The angels, or rather the shepherds, who are the most looked on people in society, they get given a sat-nav and the precise location. The angels appear to them and tell them exactly. They don't have to follow a star. They don't have to map where it's going. They get told exactly where Jesus is. And you know the wonderful thing it says about Mary? And in this story, it's probably one of the last things it says about her personally. It says that as Mary looked at the shepherds and the kings, and actually Luke doesn't talk about the kings at all. It's Matthew who does. It says Mary guarded these things carefully in her heart and meditated upon them. You see, sometimes when God is doing things around you and you don't quite get it, it's time to do this. Because sometimes we talk a bit too much, don't we? Oh, well, you know, yeah, I I know I was called to run that group, but you don't understand. It's just been so difficult. And I don't quite get what God is doing. It says that Mary guarded these things in her heart. It says she treasured, but actually the Hebrew translation of the word treasure is actually guarded. Guard your heart. Because all things come from the heart. And sometimes we need to protect our hearts. We need to protect the vision from the people that will say, oh, well, I mean, if, God was, if you were really carrying God's child, I'm sure you wouldn't have ended up giving birth to him in a manger. Oh, well, yeah, if the angel had visited, I'm sure he would have explained it to the rest of us so we would have all known, yeah, that you, know, you were carrying God's child. Oh, well, you're really going to have God's child surrounded by SHIT. Because you see, those voices discourage us. Those voices mean that we go back and we think, how can I be certain? Not, we don't ask God, how are you gonna do it? We go, how can I be certain? Those voices stop us from stepping out in faith. But I believe, I believe that whatever we're going through, whatever is standing in our way Whatever is holding us down, I believe what it says in Ephesians 3.20. And it says that to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, beyond our greatest powers, our hopes, and our dreams. But here's the important part. According to his power, that is his work within us. And that power is a power of faith. It's a power of obedience. It's a power of belief. You see, without Mary's total faith and trust in God and her willingness to live in complete surrender to his will, irrespective of the challenge, irrespective of the co- inconvenience, the difficulty, and many that were to come, and I'm only going as far as a birth, and not the rest of what she had to watch her son go through. And I wonder, as she watched him carry the cross, as she watched him nailed to the cross, did that same belief and that same faith hold her through? Because there was more to come. There was so much more to come. But Mary says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Isn't that beautiful? Can we all say that? Can we say that every time that we hear that calling? Can we say that if there's a seed, if we're carrying that seed still within us? Because I felt as I prepared this message that there are people hearing me today online here. And you've got something in you that you know you're almost pregnant with it. Something that God has been calling you to do and you haven't quite stepped out because it's been too hard, or there's been a challenge, or you're not sure, or you just don't believe that you're the right person. See, Mary was just an ordinary girl to whom something extraordinary happened. And the Bible is full of ordinary people who do extraordinary things because the Spirit of God is at work within them. We all have a purpose. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand. So there's something that you are due to do that God has prepared for you. And I pray and hope that as you walk away from today, if there's nothing else you take on board, you will believe this. For with God, Nothing is or ever shall be impossible. He's prepared the way for you. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You are not too unimportant. You are not too fragile. You are not too old. You are not too young. You are not too infirm. You're not to anything. If God has given you that seed, then it's because he has chosen you to carry it. And that means that he will equip you. And this world right now is groaning in agony because it needs every seed. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And we know that the darkness will flee before the light. And right now, We are surrounded by darkness, from the cost of living, to the sickness, to the news, to the evil, to the people being horrible to each other. It's a dark, dark world, but here's the good news. We each carry the light, and we each have the opportunity to birth something into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our schools, into our workplaces, we each have the opportunity to bring that light. And if you've been sitting there, carrying that within you, almost like you're in the middle of the pregnancy stage and just waiting to get to that old part, then now's the time when we need to come together, when you need to come forward and know that God is going to take you through, no matter how hard it is. Let's stand. I think we've got the worship team somewhere, have we? Now I don't know if in listening to this and thinking about Mary's journey, thank you, Sue. If in thinking about Mary's journey you are reminded of how hard things have been for you recently. And I don't know if you're someone who's been sitting there going, I want to do so much in the body of Christ, but it's just tough. And for many reasons, it could be really, really tough. But I believe that today God wants to encourage you. Maybe you are on that journey to Bethlehem. Maybe your back's aching. Maybe the donkey feels too hard to sit on. Maybe you're just waiting for something to come to an end just to get a rest and a breather. I wanna encourage you today. The birth is coming. Cause you know what, after all that, Jesus Christ was born and he became the lamb that took the sins of the world away and he is our victory. So if you are that person who at the moment you feel like there's something in you that you're carrying and you want to give birth to it, then I'd like you to come to the front and just let us pray with you. There's a team here who are going to pray with you. And if you've been in that place where it's been so difficult, then come to the front because what you're carrying is as important as Christ is to all of us. Father, thank you that you are the God who is, the God who was, the God who always will be. Thank you that you keep speaking. Thank you that you keep bringing light to the world. And thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here today, who are online, who you have planted a seed in, Lord. And you've given something special for this body of Christ, for their community, for their workplace, for their families. And Father, I pray that across this network, we are going to see a birthing of new dreams, of new visions, of new ministries, Lord of light being poured into the darkness we give thanks for mary and for the obedient character that she was and we end lord and i'd like to end on those words i am your hand servant let it be done to me according to your will